Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the stories of business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Hi, you're joining the Colorado Business Roundtable podcast today. This is Debbie Brown, and I'm really excited to have with us today Tom Bugnitz, the CEO of Manufacturers Edge, along with Jessica Cowden, the Director of Marketing and Communications, for a conversation about Manufacturers Edge, and in particular, how they are working with their industry on the new normal, really, with this global health pandemic and how it's affecting the business community. So welcome, Tom and Jessica. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. This is an important part of what we do. Thank you, Tom. And I want to, I'll start with Tom. I know, Tom, reading your bio, it sounds like you've got, you know, 30 plus years in the manufacturing industry across the globe, uh, everything from business strategy, team building and process and organizational redesign. Tell me a little bit more about your story. How did you end up in this line of work and how did you end up today as the CEO of Manufacturers Edge? Accidentally, in every stage of my career, as as most people, if they admit that's how it works, uh, I actually have a degree in computer science and uh, applied math and computer science, even worse, and uh, an MBA from Washington U in St. Louis. And my first job was at a company that I don't know if either of you are old enough to remember, American Motors. And if you uh, if you ever saw the movie Wayne's World, they're driving a car called the Pacer. And my first job, I actually was walking down the line when that first Pacer came off the line. And so you start working in an auto company, you get this bug real fast. Ended up working at that university for about 10 years, running all of their computer systems. Was consultant for 20 years, worked with a small startup, uh, manufacturing startup in Denver. And the MEP job came up in what we call the Manufacturing Extension Partnership, which is what Manufacturers Edge is. Uh, and I was lucky enough to, what I think is ending my career on the single best job I could have had and have had. Yeah, what it, makes it so great? Well, a couple things. Personally, it was like my whole career had been putting pieces in place that would lead to being qualified to do that job. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we're working with uh, NIST. We're, we're part of, actually, we're funded by the U.S. Department of Commerce through NIST, uh, which has a lab in Boulder. And it's a mission-oriented organization that is, I, I look at it as building the middle class in America again. We're growing manufacturing. We're growing manufacturing jobs. You know, and every job that we save or help create, I just think about that's one more family that isn't worried about, you know, where we're going to go to school and where we're going to live and, you know, why is mom home and she's sad because and, and looking at the newspapers trying to find something. We just look at it as, you know, we're we're really helping families across Colorado. Plus, I mean, if you're doing a job like this in Colorado, it is the best state in the in the nation. I, I talk to all of my counterparts. There's one of me in every every state, which which should frighten you to death. But it, it really is a, a unique adventure out here. You know, I was saying this to somebody the other day that even in this crisis, you pick up the phone and the first question somebody asks is, how can I help? Uh, what, what else can I do for you? We're, we're in a unique state. Uh, I think we're as well positioned as any state by our attitude and our philosophy and our culture to respond to this, this crisis. I think we got an A from some rating service about how we're responding as a, as a state. But that's what's so great about this job. It's just we're all connected to each other. And we're all helping each other. Uh, mm-hmm. From the state level on down to the manufacturers, it's just it's just a great job, and and on top of it, I've I've managed to, you know, as I have done my whole career, try to surround myself with people who are a lot smarter than I am, which isn't particularly difficult. But that's 
what I end up with is a good team of people that can get a lot of things done. I'm just a fortunate person to, to have basically stumbled into this. Nice, Tom. I love the way you phrase that. I sometimes think, you know, if somebody has a good job, it solves a lot of other problems when you think about public policy. And so thinking about economic vitality, and especially you're, you're so right, I think Colorado has been ranked, you know, the top state the last two or three years in economic vitality on, on lots of different measures. So not only were we in America that had really good economic numbers looking back in January, Colorado was even at the top of the heap, which is a great place to start. Right, right. Well, and I think your point too is it has a, has a downside, which is the COVID thing is going to just make massive changes in our economy in Colorado and across the country. And we're already seeing the high unemployment numbers that, that we hope are temporary. But the mental health, health aspects of unemployment and of this kind of uncertainty, even for people who have their jobs, is just really, really terrific. And we've got to pay attention to that. I mean, I talk about helping the manufacturers, but mental health uh, organizations, we've got to be sure to help them and with yeah, funding absolutely. and with support because the burden on them as this rolls out is going to be even greater and greater. I mean, it, you know, not to, not to be too fine a point on it, but we've got one of our partners is a, is a safe house for domestic abuse. Imagine the, the pressures now on, on people who, who live with an abuser that now they're home 10 hours a day instead of two hours a day. Those kind of impacts, we've got to keep watching. We've got to really watch out for each other during this whole, this whole thing because the mental health aspect is going to be really critical as we go right. forward. There's a lot of un, uh, unintended fallout, um, not only from a global health pandemic and the economics, but I think you're absolutely right. You know, I have parents two blocks away that are going stir crazy uh, because, you know, they don't have an avenue to go to their quilt club or their church group. And, you know, it it is an interesting mental health dilemma for for every age sector. Before we jump into that, Jessica, tell us a little bit about you. And uh, you're you're the director of marketing and comms for Manufacturers Edge. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up in this line of work as well. So, I mean, you know, similar to Tom in the sense that, uh, sort of meandering a bit. I actually started off in the theater. I'm a, I'm an actor and a dancer, singer, the whole thing, and um, actually sort of evolved from being on stage to wanting to support my friends who are, you know, very entrepreneurial. And so I picked up some uh, graphic design skills, got a certificate in web design, and then really became passionate about the idea of being able to connect people and really help people pursue their passions. And so it just naturally led into a career in, in marketing and communications. And then I uh, taught at the university level. I was at Colorado Mesa for about 10 years. And then my husband and I got jobs at a university, a little tiny university in Vermont, and I taught PR and marketing there. And then when I was in Vermont, my good friend Summer, who is our COO, offered me a remote part-time job working for this little company who at the time was called CAMT. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And Colorado pulled on my heartstrings and I just, I had to come home and I was offered a full-time job. So I've been with uh, what is now Manufactured Edge for about seven years now. And Tom's absolutely right. It's absolutely the best job in the world. And um, I'm the kind of person who doesn't do routine very well. (laughs) I don't like to do the same thing day in and day out. And for that, I mean, this job is absolutely perfect. Every single day we're meeting different manufacturers and they are very similar to artists in that way. So for me, it wasn't a huge career change because manufacturers are people who are so passionate about something that they want to bring it to life. And in that way, they are artists. And so, you know, it's just fascinating to me. We meet brewers and people who make 
bicycles and satellites and, you know, rocket ships. So, I mean, what's not to love about that? It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's the best job. Definitely. And I remember seeing you at uh, Aerospace Day at the Capitol just recently. There's so many industries that, you know, are manufacturers. So you probably have yep, lots exactly. of sectors that you deal with and every day is a new new day and a new challenge. Tell us, because some of the folks listening to our podcast today probably don't understand what Manufacturer's Edge does. So I'd love to give us kind of the, the quick on Manufacturer's Edge. And, and I even laugh, too, because I think terms like supply chain and manufacturing, you know, where these weren't top of mind a month ago, probably folks are paying more attention to the importance of manufacturing now more than ever. That's right, Debbie. What Manufacturer's Edge does, we're part of a, of a national network of 51 centers, one in every state in Colorado, I mean, in uh, Puerto Rico. And and the focus and the charge we have from the federal government is is very simple. Grow manufacturing in your state, whatever that takes. Uh, we're a nonprofit, and, and we're that center in Colorado. And what we do is we provide consulting and training services, and mostly consulting, to manufacturers to help them improve. And it's all the way from strategic planning, product development, lean manufacturing technique, all the way to how do we keep people from walking so far down the plant floor to, to be more efficient. So it's, it's a whole range of things that helps make a manufacturer run well and grow. And, and we worry about holistically about their business. We call our, our whole program is business excellence. And so it's management, it's organization, it's products, whatever. And we do that for about 150 companies a year. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, it looks like you're very bottom line focused. You know, on your website, I was looking at, you know, how you've helped manufacturers with sales, with cost savings, with investment. Tell me about how you focus on the bottom line for the people that you help. To have a manufacturer healthy, they have to be making money. End of story. For most manufacturers in Colorado, uh, they're small. 82%, I think, is the last number of manufacturers in Colorado are less than 20 people. They're mostly small businesses, and, and many of them just grew up as one or two man shops, one or two women shops that were, that were starting uh, with an idea. And now they got a little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger, and they're now at a point where in order to actually make money, they have to really think about how do I make money? If you think about a um, somebody who's got an idea for the next energy bar, you know, they're very excited about making energy bars. That's their passion. And so they pull all those kind of things together. They get somebody to start making them. They start marketing them. And they can do it out of their house. And eventually they're doing it out of a little bit of a storefront. Eventually they're a little bit bigger. And they get to a point where they it's too much for them because they didn't evolve all the other things you have to do to really make the business run efficiently and make money. That's and, kind of a lot of times where we step in. Yeah, I love that, Tom. It seems like nowadays, for some reason, there's a real disdain for profits and, you know, corporations and manufacturers perhaps are under attack as well. Sometimes when we talk about profit, uh, one of the things we're trying to do with the Colorado Business Roundtable is talk about the interconnectivity of profits and purpose. And to your point, Profits, uh, you know, what profits are really is it gives the business a chance to reinvest in the company. It helps them, you know, hire more people, you know, give raises. You know, there's a lot of benefit to profits, you know, the least of which is just keeping the doors open. But, um, you know, it's interesting that you use that term, too, to help people actually have financial success so they can grow and thrive as a business, which obviously helps people. Well, absolutely. And, and I think the, um, the, the thing that's even more critical than that 
is it's about survival. You don't survive the tough times like we're having right now unless somehow you've been profitable and you've been able to make certain investments and you've been able to care. It's just like like us, you know, we gotta have a savings account to get us through the time when we lose our jobs kind of thing. Sure, and, and, and the other thing that Tom always points out too is that that profitability equals jobs. You know, I mean, it's about giving people work in the state of Colorado and increasing the number of jobs that are filled and being able to support our local and state economy in that way. And one of the coolest things about, about what we do is that we are very much measured on those metrics. I always say that most of my colleagues who are in marketing, you know, they're also in sales. They're having to push sales. They're having to sort of strong our people into buying their product. With us, that's not really what we're all about because the federal government grades us on the impact that we have on those manufacturers. So it's really sort of liberating for us to be able to go into a manufacturer's facility and say, we're not you know, completely concerned or preoccupied with how much money we're gonna make off of this engagement. What we're, what we're really preoccupied with is what kind of impact are we gonna have for you? How are we going to help you save money? How are we gonna help you reinvest in your company by adding jobs or adding equipment and that sort of thing. So it's, it's a really cool position to be in and it's pretty untraditional, right? I mean, it's, it's not your typical sort of setup. Well, and that kind of begs the question for you both, you know, and one of the reasons why we wanted you to be on the podcast right now is in this new normal, uh, you know, none of us were thinking about this January 1st, that this was going to be our biggest challenge as far as this global pandemic and all the other economic fallout, you know, what an opportunity for manufacturing. It's never been more essential when we think about supply chain and bringing products to market, and in particular products in Colorado, local products, um, products in the United States. What can you tell us about the, the new role manufacturing might have in America, and, and what resources are you all providing, perhaps for the folks that you work with on this, on kind of this, the coronavirus and how they can keep their business thriving? It's kind of the most interesting question we've got. What we saw immediately was how dependent we were on the offshore resources for a lot of the things we make. And I'm not talking about uh, dog toys. You know, I'm talking about the things that the healthcare workers need to survive and to help us survive. What came to the fore, and I think the message we're going to be talking about for the next three, four years when you say supply chain, is how do we make sure that we never get caught again where we're waiting for shipments of face masks from China and trying to figure out how we're going to get them because they're going to the highest bidder. now. And it may not be that we change that. It may be we're still buying a lot of things like that from China, but we're going to be able to pivot manufacturers in the future quickly to making those kind of things when they don't make them now. So I think the focus on manufacturing through this healthcare thing, you know, where do we find masks? Where do we find ventilators, for God's sake? Uh, mm -hmm. is really going to get people paying attention to the global supply chain. It may not change it significantly. It may not change it the way we'd like it to bring everything back to the United States. But we're going to be planning in the future for, okay, what companies can make these things if we need them to make those things? I think that's going to be the big change and the big contribution in manufacturing. One of the most remarkable things that, that I have felt really privileged to bear witness to is just how incredibly quickly our manufacturing community in the state of Colorado and, and across the country has really stepped up and just 
you know, completely change their entire operations to address these needs. I mean, it's been absolutely just phenomenal. Tom has several stories that we've been working very closely with um, a variety of different companies who have just turned things around to start making respirators and face masks and hospital gowns. And now and now people are, of course, working uh, heavily on, on ventilators. You know, I mean, some of that, you know, innovation and you know, I, I guess, you know, necessity, right, is the mother of invention. And, and so people are really suddenly looking at their entire operation in a new way. I even got a phone call yesterday from an ER doc at Swedish, and the doctors there were even contemplating starting to make their own materials. So they were calling us to see if we could help them understand 3D printing and injection molding. And and I said, you know, I was like, well, we can, we certainly connect you to people who are already making stuff. Did you want to make your own materials? And they said, no, we'd prefer not to. But I mean, can you imagine being a doctor and suddenly thinking, maybe I need to make my own respirators, you know? I mean, and people are stepping up to the plate to, to help the doctors out, but the doctors are trying to step up to the plate to help themselves. And I mean, it's just a, a phenomenal time. It's really, really fascinating. Well, and I would think, you know, it's, it is so interesting because Americans are known for being innovators and entrepreneurs and risk takers and inventors. So I guess one of the bright spots perhaps from this new challenge is what are Americans going to do to solve our problems? You know, coming together, you know, could be a really powerful, a powerful tool for not only manufacturing, but just entrepreneurship in general. What I've been amazed at is how much we've gotten done since this hit. You know, we're doing things, uh, what I keep saying is, you know, a day is the new week and a week is the new month. We're, we're doing things in three or four meetings that would have taken us months to get done before. And I, and I thought a lot about why that is. And the fact of the matter is that we've got a common problem, a common enemy. Everybody is trying to solve that single problem. And nobody's asking any other questions about who's going to make money or who's, going, who's responsible for this or who's going to be in charge of that. Everybody's just saying, what can we do? So it's it's an interesting phenomenon that We've got a single thing we're all focused on. I don't know how that translates when we go back to whatever real life is uh, after this. I don't know how it translates to being able to marshal resources to, to solve specific problems. Because typically we're arguing about the definition of the problem and, and, and is it worth solving and my solution versus your solution and those. In this case, there's a problem. Let's kill it. And so I think we're, we're going to learn some things, but to carry these lessons forward, we're going to really have to make a concerted effort to keep reminding ourselves. You know, you remember how bad that was? Everybody, everybody remember that back then, last year, five years ago, 10 years ago? Remember, that really sucked. That was horrible. You know, we got to keep something with us that said, look at how we reacted. And this is not a World War II situation yet, but the greatest growth we had just as a society was right after World War II. And everybody had that four years of experience of sending people over to Europe and doing their, what we could do at home. This is kind of our generation's little bit of World War II moment. I'm hoping we're all going to learn, look, this is what we can get done when we really need to. Let's keep that going. Let's learn yeah. what we can from this. And let's make sure that these kind of efforts can be applied to the other societal problems we got that are still going to be there and maybe even worse when we come through this. Yeah, that's so well said. I think I think to your point, it's a time for leadership and it's a time for collaboration. And to some degree, you know, how do we rise to this challenge? And I think in particular, you know, it could be a really interesting time for your organization to take the lead 
you know, when you think about manufacturing and supply chain and what it means to Colorado and to these other states, you know, it's not just a price issue. You know, there's new things like, you know, a national security issue. Like, how do you how do you put all these other factors on how, where somebody manufactures, um, you know, besides just price, where that might have been the more of a singular consideration in the past? So it's time for right. leadership, Tom. Well, It'll be fun to see what you all, you know, you all seem very entrepreneurial in the space. And it'll be really interesting to see how you move forward as leaders on this particular issue. I will tell you something about leadership in this. And it's not like I know anything. When this hit, you remember that first scene from Saving Private Ryan where Tom Hanks hit the beach and all of a sudden everything was fuzzy and he couldn't hear anything. And he was looking around and disoriented. And then it snapped into place for him. At some point, something happened. He said, wait a minute, I'm on the beach. You know, I got to that's how I felt the first three, four days that this happened. It was like, geez, I, I don't even know what we should be doing. And you're just talking to people and you're getting ideas and you're talking to your colleagues. But I will tell you that I stood there one day in my office in, in the basement and I said, Tom, I'm, I don't know if you're up to this, buddy. Uh, this is kind of, this is kind of a new thing. And I think a lot of people had that feeling. Talk to my colleagues in the state and out of the state. And they all kind of said that same thing in a different way. It was like, what's going on? And geez, you know, am I equipped to deal with this? And then you know what? What comes to fore, and I'm not saying this about myself. I'm saying this about the people I've seen around the state. One thing I learned from studying World War II history is that ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances do extraordinary things. And that's what we're seeing. And so I think a lot of people, myself included, are really at the age of almost 68, I'm still learning you know, what it takes to respond to these things. I think a lot of people are. And I think this is not the last thing we're going to see like this in many of our lifetimes. We're all growing as people and as leaders through this. And I think it's going to serve us well as we as we get to the other side, because we're going to be able to think things in ways we never thought before. There's going to be a silver lining to this when it's all over. And I think that's one of them. Yeah, I believe that as well. Well, we're almost out of time, but I want to make sure you all give a chance to Tell the listeners about what resources are on your website in particular regarding the virus and how folks can learn more about Manufacturer's Edge and what you're providing to the folks that you're helping. We responded pretty quickly. And um, once again, it's, you know, it's really handy that that I have this weird mismatch of, you know, different skills and stuff because I was able to just jump in and immediately completely, you know, rework our entire website, which was kind of handy to be able to just move on a dime like that. So we set up a COVID-19 resources page. And, you know, at the very beginning, we started off with just one big page and then the page kept growing and growing and growing. And so I've actually created sort of an entire sub website now because I've got the COVID resource main page, but then we have a whole variety of other pages that are dedicated to different aspects of this issue. So we have now, I have 10 or 12 different pages that are just devoted to uh, COVID-19 resources. I think one of the most important resources that we have on our website right now is our message board. We have a number of manufacturers who are reaching out to us saying, hey, I don't know if people know this, but I do make face shields and I, I'm making a thousand of them a day. Please put that up on your website. And then meanwhile, we have folks who are contacting us and saying, you know, I need this particular chemical or product or, I mean, elastic is in short, I mean, it's in high demand right now and people are having a hard time finding it. So we have a whole message board where we allow people to post stuff up there um, so that they can swap resources. We're also working really closely with one of our partners, uh, Company Week, and they're doing the same thing. So a lot of the website and a lot of our jobs right now are dedicated to making those essential connections between people. 
In addition to that, you know, we work really closely with OEDIT and we have constantly updated information from their resources in, in terms of, you know, what's coming down from the governor's office, how to apply for SBA loans, all that sort of thing. We also have a variety of events that we're doing right now virtually in order to just reach out to people, communicate some of those developments and resources as well. Tom is doing a daily, we actually have a daily uh, really short podcast that we're doing that's about 10, 15 minutes long where Tom and some of our colleagues get on a call together and we do it live, people can dial in and then I record it and put it up on the website. And then meanwhile, our delivery team, who's used to normally being out on the shop floor right now, helping people improve their processes and and, uh, working with them directly, they've had to really pivot their entire approach as well. And so they've actually developed a pretty comprehensive program for what they're calling event response and business recovery. And it's a really robust set of tools to help people not only respond to this crisis, but develop the tools necessary to respond to any crisis, whether it's flood or or fire or what have you. Things that should have already been in place, but I think a lot of people didn't have those things in place. So how do you respond and recover from this and also prepare your company for anything that could come down the pike later on. So we're doing a a weekly webinar that covers some of those tools and we do those on Friday. So all of those things can be found on our website as well. And like I said, we also set up a hotline so people can reach out to us directly any time of the day or night and connect to somebody who can either answer questions for them or at least connect them to the people who, who do have the answers. Great. And Jessica, tell everybody what your website URL is. Manufacturersedge.com. And then you'll see on the homepage, right in the main menu, there is uh, the very first selection in the main menu now says COVID-19 resources, and that'll take you to the whole collection of of pages and and resources that we have there. Oh, perfect. We're about out of time, but I just want to thank you both for being on with us today, especially, uh, you know, I'm feeling so inspired, Tom, particularly about your remarks about understanding leadership and innovation in challenging times and some of your commentary, particularly on World War II. And Jessica, thank you for sharing some specific stories about what you all are doing to help manufacturers in Colorado thrive in this new normal. And we sure appreciate your time here today with us and sort of our business coalition with the Business Roundtable. And thank you, Debbie. And we'll, we'll do this on anything you want, anytime you want. This is a great, uh, great thing that, that the Roundtable does. It, it has been doing for years. So, so keep us in mind. Whatever you need, we're here to help. All right. Thank you guys so much and appreciate all that you're doing to help manufacturers. And I, I look forward to lunch sometime in person. Absolutely. <laughs> thank, thank you. you we Debbie. look forward to it too. Thanks, everyone. Take care. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.